Hey there, podcast listeners, it's Tom here. I recently returned from a camp where I gave some talks to a bunch of teenagers who are mostly unchurched. The talk that you're about to hear is one of the five talks that I gave while on that camp. If you've been enjoying this podcast, it'd be great if you'd be willing to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts so that more people can find it and enjoy it. Also, if you want to read my blog or find more sermons, find a Bible study I've written or book me to preach, then you can head to tomfrench.com.au for all that and more. Finally, I've actually been getting a lot of downloads from Japan lately, which is exciting, but also makes me wonder if I'm getting hits from some strange Japanese sermon listening bot. I'm a little curious as to what's going on, so if you happen to be a Japanese listener, send me an email at tom.french at live.com, that's tom.french at live.com, and help me solve this mystery. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the talk. So we talked a bit in the Q&A about how Christians have different uh, sexual ethics. Now this came up at one point during my uh, time when I was a scripture teacher in a high school. So I was going into the high school regularly and the kids in the high school would ask us a lot of questions, a lot of the same questions that you guys have asked us, things like, if God is good, why is there suffering? Another popular one was, how can you know that there actually is a God? But then there was uh, one person uh, who uh, would, she would always ask uh, more personal questions. Now I had, in the school, I was kind of known around the school as Tom the Scripture Guy. And so she was like, Tom the Scripture Guy, I have a question for you. I was like, okay. And she was like, Christians, you believe that you shouldn't have sex until you get married. And I was like, correct. That is what the Bible says. And she was like, are you married? And I was like, no. She was like, so have you had sex? <laughs> I was like, no. She was like, oh, you're a virgin. <laughs> she was very smart. And, and I said, correct. And then she turns to the whole class and she was like, this guy's a virgin. <laughs> and then... Every time she would see me in the school, she would like, she'd be like, hey, it's Tom the Virgin. Hi, Tom the Virgin. And then throughout the whole school, I stopped being known as Tom the Scripture Guy and I became known as Tom the Virgin. I said one thing one time and I became a whole new person. I tell you this because we're going to look at another person called Tom today. His name is... Thomas, actually, and if you've ever heard the phrase doubting Thomas, uh, we're going to look at the story of where this comes from. But poor old Thomas, he is someone who did one thing one time, and now he has been known by this name of doubting Thomas for thousands of years. So this poor guy, uh, he has had it a lot worse than me. So we're going to have a look at that story and see what happens. If you want to follow along in the Bible, and you have one, uh, you can follow along from John chapter 20, and we'll be starting at verse 24. And if you want to read it on the screen, you are welcome to. All right, this is what it says. It says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, which I'm pleased my parents did not call me, <laughs> 
one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, oh, I should probably give you some background here about where we are in the Bible. <laughs> we just dropped in right in the middle of the story. So Jesus has died on the cross and then he has risen again and then he's turned up to a bunch of the disciples and he's like, hey guys, here I am, I'm alive. And they're like, hey, that's what it says in the original Greek, hey. <laughs> but Thomas, he wasn't there. So there we go, let's keep reading. And so G- Thomas said, um, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So we have poor old Thomas who was not with them, with the disciples when Jesus turned up. And we don't know why he wasn't there. The Bible doesn't tell us why he wasn't there. Maybe he was out getting milk or something. Maybe he was depressed and he just wanted to stay in bed because the person he'd been following around for the last three years had died. There, was, there are lots of good reasons for Thomas not to be there. He just wasn't there. And so then he turns out to his friends and they're like, we've seen Jesus. Jesus is here. And Thomas, he doubts them. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my, uh, put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, he doubts that Jesus is alive. And for the last 2,000 years, he has been known as Doubting Thomas, as if what he did was a bad thing to do. But if someone tells you that your friend who died on a cross three days ago is dead or is alive and you doubt them, it's not a dumb thing to do. It's a completely rational thing to do. Like dead people generally stay dead. So Doubting Thomas, he shouldn't be called Doubting Thomas. He should be called Rational Thomas <laughs> because it's an obvious thing to do. Like it's not... And, and the other thing is, he's called Doubting Thomas as if that's his whole identity. Like he spent all his time doubting, which he's, he didn't. He doubted one thing, one time, and it was a big thing. Like if someone had said to him, strawberry milk is better than chocolate milk, and he said, I doubt that, you'd be like, yes, that's, yeah, okay, you know, this is, this is worth debating. Us, we should worry about this. We should definitely talk about this on Facebook a lot. If someone says... <laughs> A dead person has come back to life and you say, I doubt that, you would be the sane person. And poor old Thomas, he then goes through a week by himself where all his friends are like, oh man, Jesus is alive, that's so exciting, Jesus is alive. And Thomas is the only one who doesn't believe that Jesus is alive. And he was probably the only one who felt like he was sane. He probably felt like all his friends had gone crazy and he was the only one who knew what was true. They're all just deluded people wanting to believe this thing, which obviously could not be true. He would have felt so alone that week. But then it tells us what happens. And this is what it says. A week later, his disciples, that's Jesus' disciples, were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas, who has been doubting, Thomas who thinks that Jesus did not come back from the dead, now has Jesus stand in front of him. And what I love is the way that Jesus treats him. Like sometimes people behave as if doubting some of the claims of Christianity is the worst thing that you can ever do. Like it's a terrible thing to do that. And Jesus, who had actually, in his time before he died, been talking about what was going to happen, he spent time saying, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to come back to life in three days' time. Jesus had been saying this, he turns up to Thomas, and you expect maybe he could be a little angry at Thomas. He could be like, I am God, Thomas. I am an important person. Why didn't you believe me? He could have cursed Thomas and given him a tail or made him explode. He could have done whatever he wanted, but instead the way that he treats Thomas is with gentleness. And he gives Thomas what he asks for. Thomas asked for proof and he gives it to him. He shows him his hand and he says, look. And he says, put your hand in my side. He gives him what he asks for. Now the Bible doesn't tell us if Thomas actually did it. I suspect that he didn't because it's a little rude to manually, manually inspect people's physical deformities. Like if you meet someone who's had their arm amputated, you shouldn't go and rub it. That's a, a rude thing to do. And I expect that he didn't do that to, talk to Jesus. He just needed Jesus to stand there and say, I've heard you, I've heard your doubts, and here are the answers that you have been looking for. He gives it to him. And then he says to him, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas has been asking questions and they have been good questions to ask. And then Jesus turns up and gives him the answer to the question that he's been asking. And then when we see what Thomas does next, it shows us that Thomas was wanting to know what the answer was. That he desperately wanted to know and he was willing to have his life changed when he found the answer. Thomas worships Jesus and says to him, my Lord and my God. He is the first person in the Bible to worship Jesus as God. The first of the disciples to figure it out. And then we see that Thomas, uh, he goes on to keep believing in Jesus and tradition tells us that he went off into India and told a bunch of people about Jesus and was eventually killed because he believed that Jesus rose from the dead. Thomas was not doubting Thomas, but he was believing and faithful Thomas who went out to tell other people about Jesus. Now, you people, I have seen that you have had some great questions. I probably shouldn't have said you people because it sounds like I'm angry. You people. What I mean, you guys have had some great questions. You've asked some really good questions this week. The value of questions is only though if you are actually looking for answers. If you ask a question and then you find an answer, then you need to be willing to act on it. And probably I would say that the biggest question that is worth asking is, did Jesus really rise from the dead? That's what Thomas wanted to know and it completely changed his life. And that's what we should want to know. And if it is true, it should completely change our life. Because if Jesus really did rise and Jesus really did come back to life, then it, everything he said about himself is true. He really is God. You really can find eternal life in him. You really can find forgiveness of sins in Him. You really can be welcomed into God's family in Him if He died and rose again. 
If he, did, if he just died and stayed dead, then he is no better or worse than anyone else who ever lived. So we need to find the answer to this. Now, Thomas, he got some clear evidence when Jesus turned up physically there and said, here you go, have a look. We don't get that option. There's a very low chance that Jesus is going to turn up here physically with us and say, here I am, have a look. So what is it then? What evidence is there that Jesus came back to life? We're going to have a really quick look uh, and then we're going to be done. Here are the things uh, that tell me that there is good historical reason that Jesus died and came back to life. The first thing is uh, that a lot of people question the fact whether Jesus uh, actually died. They say, oh, he went to the cross and he probably just fell unconscious and then they put him in the tomb, they buried him in the tomb and then he got up again and then he went for a walk and everything was good and he turned up and people were like, oh, you died. And he was like, yes, I did. <laughs> so what evidence is there that he actually died? Well, we have eyewitness accounts of what Jesus, what happened to Jesus. We see that Jesus was beaten uh, with a beating that often killed people. He was made to carry his cross through the streets of Jerusalem. He was nailed to a cross through his hands and his feet. And he was, this was done by professional executioners. And then eventually, uh, it says he was stabbed in his side with a spear and blood and water came out. Now, people don't know exactly what was happening there, but one option that it could be is that he was stabbed up into his heart and stabbed in the pericardial sac so that out came blood and pericardial liquid, which is uh, clear. So if Jesus was nailed to a cross and stabbed through the heart and then taken down and put into a tomb, then it says they rolled a, to a stone in front of it and put two professional soldiers out the front, soldiers from the most powerful military force on earth. And then Jesus wasn't actually dead. He woke up he, after a few days and then he rolled the stone away and then he beat up some guards and then walk, went walking around saying hello to people. Like you have a whole other miracle to deal with. So I think there is good evidence that Jesus died and the history, both the, the Bible and outside, people are willing to say that Jesus was killed. So it can't just be that he was unconscious. So what, are, what else uh, is there that there is evidence? One is that there are eyewitnesses. In the Bible, there's a letter written by a guy called Paul and he writes to people about 20 years after Jesus' death and he says to them, he's like, Jesus, uh, he, after he came back to life, he turned up to the apostles and he turned up to 500 people at once and he turned up to me. And of those 500 people that he turned up to, most of them are still alive. He's saying, you can go and check with these people who are still alive that this Jesus really did turn up. If there were not actually witnesses, then you wouldn't say, go and check with the witnesses. You'd say, oh, I know this, but don't ask anyone else about it. But he tells people to check with the witnesses. You can't cover something up if you've got that many witnesses. It's like if you imagine that you are not here right now, maybe because you've snuck off to do some extra study because you're really keen. And so then uh, I do a special trick for you all as my farewell gift. I chop off my arm and then I grow it back again. Like everyone will be like, whoa, that's amazing. So then say you come out of your study session and then you're chatting to someone and say, wow, you'll never guess what Tom did. He chopped off his arm and then it grew back again. You wouldn't believe them. But then if you talk to, you know, one of the leaders and they're like, oh man, there's a lot of blood in there. 
Crusaders are going to have to spend a lot of money cleaning up after that. But guess what happened? Tom chopped off his arm and it grew back again. You'd be like, well, two people have said it. But then say you talk to every single person on camp and everyone here says that I chopped off my arm and it grew back again, then it would be difficult to deny that something amazing didn't happen. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying there are eyewitnesses. You can check with them. So it's, it's hard to cover it up. The next uh, evidence that we have is there's the thing of the stolen body, which Alex was talking about. Some people say, oh, the reason why, uh, the reason why people think he rose from the dead is because he wasn't in the tomb, but the authorities just went and stole his body. Well, if the authorities stole his body and then when Christians started making a fuss and making things difficult for them, the authorities could have just brought it out again. It's like, you guys are worshipping a risen Jesus. Well, here he is. He's dead. But they couldn't do that because there wasn't a body. There is no evidence that there is a body anywhere. You cannot find it. Uh, the next is that there is a huge change in the disciples. They had this man that they had followed for three years of their life, and then he was killed. You would think that they would stop worshipping if he, him if he just stayed dead. They would stop following him around. But something happened so that they went out and they told everyone about it. And not only did they tell other people about it, but those people told other people, and they told other people so that Christianity exploded in the known world. So the people all over the world, within a lifetime of Jesus' death, uh, they believed that Jesus rose from the dead. You can't make that happen unless Jesus actually rose from the dead. Uh, the, last, uh, the last thing is that uh, another thing that Alex mentioned was that you don't die for a lie. And all the disciples, except one of them, tells us, were martyred for their faith in the risen Jesus. And the last one who didn't die was the Apostle John. Well, he did die, but he, didn't, he wasn't killed. But he was, uh, tradition said he was boiled alive because of his faith in the risen Jesus. And they put him on an island. And then on that island, he was like, I still believe in the risen Jesus. And then he wrote another book of the Bible because he believes in the risen Jesus. The disciples didn't get rich of the, the knowledge that Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't get powerful. All they did was got beaten up and killed. Someone somewhere would have said, oh, before you chop my head off, let me just say that we made the whole thing up. But no one did that. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, none of this is like knockdown proof. But when you put it all together, there is good evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. And if... Uh, if he didn't rise from the dead, then you need to find another explanation that makes sense of Christianity, that makes sense of all these things which I just talked about. Now, if Jesus did rise from the dead, then like I said, everything he said about himself is true. It changes absolutely everything. When Thomas realized that Jesus had risen from the dead, it changed his life. He said, my Lord and my God, and he gave his life to him. If Jesus actually rose from the dead, then you need to be willing to give your life to Him. If you're willing to ask the question, then you need to be willing to accept the answer. And it should change everything for you. So my challenge for you, as the last thing I'm going to say, if you are someone who doesn't believe in Christianity, then investigate this. Because if Jesus rose from the dead, it is the best news in the world is the best news that there is a God in heaven and He loves you and He wants you in His family and He has shown you how much He loves you by dying and rising again for you in His Son, Jesus. If you investigate it, 
you will know what, that it is true. So look into it. Have a look. If it's true, give your life to it. If it's not, leave it alone. But, it, but you need to investigate it because it is the most important thing that could ever happen. If you are not a Christian, sorry, if you are a Christian, if, or if you are someone who believes that Jesus did rise from the dead, and you may not call yourself a Christian, but you're like, yeah, I think he did, then let this truth change your life. Because if Jesus did rise from the dead, then it means he is Lord and God, and he is the one who will be in charge of your life. Let it change everything about your life, and you'll see it is the best thing that you have ever done. Jesus said at the end of the passage, he said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. If you put your trust in Jesus, my promise is this. You will not see him physically until he comes again. But you will be blessed if you believe in him. You will see the goodness of God in your life now and in eternity. If it is true that Jesus rose from the dead, let it change everything. I'm going to say a quick prayer for us and then we'll be done. Lord God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus and we thank you that he was willing to die for us and that he was willing to rise again. I pray that we'll be people who are willing to investigate whether this is true or not. And I pray that each person here will find the truth. They'll see what you have done for them and they'll let that truth change their lives. Amen.